from days of long ago. From uncharted regions of the universe comes a legend. Star Joe's Podcast, episode 214, the Castle Run G.I. Joe, a.k.a. Wrestling the Weasel. I'm your host, Ryan. And I'm John. <laughs> Welcome back, everyone. Um, this was definitely an issue, John, that when I read it for G.I. Joe, uh, we're going to be re- covering uh, issue number 17, and I read that line, Wrestling the Weasel. I said, you know what, if we were still naming episodes after what was said in the issues, that would be the title of this episode. <laughs> Very memorable. Good stuff. Uh, so how you been, John? What's What's been new? What's been going on? Uh, I know you've had some kind of exciting things happening recently. Yeah, it, everything's going very well. I had a, uh, a exciting weekend. Not only did I get to go to Virginia Comic Con for a day, which was fun, but uh, I spent Saturday down in Virginia Beach, and got to meet Jimmy Pardo, who is a comedian, was uh, Conan O'Brien's opening act for the, his show when he when he had The Tonight Show back on NBC. He was the uh, warm-up guy, and Pardo's been around forever. Well, he does a podcast called Never Not Funny. It's one of my favorites. He's been doing – he's been podcasting since 2006, so he is old school at this stuff. He's, he's not – really the f- considered number one but he is considered probably one of the first three or four from a comedian's perspective that that's been doing podcasting so he does a tour or he'll tour ever so often with his co-host and they do a live podcast and it's nice. a 90 minute version of the show so nice. for, for an audience and so yeah they did a, a never not funny on saturday afternoon where there were maybe i don't know 80 people in the audience which he made Repeated it to, you know, he made repeated jokes and shit on the people that were there for Acura, the people that owned the place. Can't believe you didn't get more people here, that kind of thing. <laughs> so he sold out Boston and DC the two nights before. So oh, wow. here's this brand, this, what was great, it was a brand new theater. It's been open for three weeks. Oh, wow. Beautiful, beautiful place, big place. And I'm going to guess it sat 300 
So, you know, you have about 80, you know, it shows. Yeah. But it was amazing. I got to there. One of the one of the one of the things they always do is they bet. So I got to throw in a dollar and bet on how old Willie Ames was. Uh, I lost. <laughs> He's fifty eight for those of you that are keeping score wow. at home. But uh, yeah, bet on that. And then uh, he, instead of playing the theme songs to all the different bits, the audience sang all the songs because <laughs> again people go back they they had a, a guy that was acting as the producer for that day who goes back to season two so you're oh, talking wow. they go they do their seasons every six months so you're talking he's been listening for 12 years yeah or close to it, 11 and a half years and anyway so they they do the 90 they do about 90 minutes and then they're like okay everybody come out and meet us outside you know we're going to sign autographs we have they have show posters and they give out. They have poker chips because they, they, they bet on the show. They have poker chips with their logos on it. So anyway, we get in line. I was with my buddy Rob, who who just started listening to the show lately, and we get up there, and I've got a top loader because I'm buying the poster. Oh, okay. And he, and Jimmy Pardo looks at me, and goes, "You get it, man. You get it." <laughs> and I was explaining to him why I had it. Well, anyway, he he was on Comedy Bang Bang. I got to talk to him about that, and he uh, he took. I got a picture with him. He was super nice. And it was, you know, everything I wanted. Well, then that evening he did a stand-up set, and his stand-up is primarily crowd work. And so okay. he did about an hour ten or so. Uh, and, and the crazy part was, so again, uh, maybe ten more people in the audience for a stand-up set, and we were on the front row, to the right, stage right. He walks out and he says something, and he goes, "We're gonna get through this, right, John?" Yeah, we're going to get through it. And he used me as his point of contact in the audience five, at least five times. It that's was fantastic. unbelievable. At one point, he looked over and he goes, Johnny! It was, <laughs> my buddy was just dying. Of course, I was too. So it was it was everything I needed it to be. And he again, he doesn't since he lives in California, he doesn't tour the East Coast much. And it was amazing because you know Virginia Beach is two hours from here. Almost nobody in the audience was from Virginia Beach. They were almost all from out of town. Wow. Everybody traveled. And then the best part was, you know, we got the show, you know, to buy the poster. This guy who's a woodworker who came from Pennsylvania gave everybody that came a Never Not Funny ornament. Oh, nice. He, he had, he had did these wood, you know, in, you know, wood carved in and yeah. ornaments and they were all different. So my buddy got a different one than I did, and it was crazy. But yeah, they had stacks of them, and they were just handing them out. And they're like, "Yeah, this this guy wanted to give everybody a gift in the audience for coming." And that's that's why I said something on Facebook. I love podcasting communities like that, and that yeah, the, for sure. you know the people there get it, and it's you know it it is that kind of like you know secret society kind of thing. Yeah. But that the audience is willing, you know, shares with each other is. It was it was amazing. It was now, absolutely amazing. Is this Willie Ames that was Buddy on Charles yeah. in Charge? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's because when you said the name, I was like, I was like, that got to be the same guy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, and yeah, he talked about him because he met him when he was on eight. When Willie Ames was on Eight Is Enough, Jimmy Pardo right. was like eleven or twelve, and right. he was you know in his te- you know mid teens. Yeah. And that was so the the bet was how old is he now and. And yeah. like I said, I lost, but yeah, yeah. Well, and, and was, Jimmy and Jimmy Pardo is just—I mean, that if you you at least have heard the name before, it's it's been out there for yeah, years. And again, he—you know—I liken him to this generation. It's not the best uh, correlation, but he's very much like Don Rickles. Yeah, and that he's—you know—he insults people, but yeah. everybody's in on the joke. It's yeah. not 
and malicious or mean. Right, right. It's just funny. And again, when you had that small of an audience, and you know, he because he could see everybody he locked in. It was it was insane, and, and it was awesome. funny because, like I said, my friend Rob, who he's probably listening to this show too. Rob only started listening like a month ago, and so he was like, "We got done," and he's like, "Okay, you need to tell me which shows to go back and download and listen to." I guess <laughs> so that was that was super super fun, and it's awesome. I guess the other big thing lately is I have a major acquisition to my art collection, and I was home in Louisville visiting my family. And I had breakfast with a friend of mine, and he gets out of his car, and he's like, I know you weren't expecting this, but you're getting a gift. I'm like, okay. And he hands me this drawing, and it is the original pencil sketch or pencil drawing to a CMJ New Music Journal magazine from the fall of 1999 of Ben Folds 5 as dressed like uh, astronauts. Yeah. And it's drawn by Dave Johnson. Wow. And it's friggin beautiful it's it the pieces it's like nice tight pencils they actually flipped the image for the printed images flipped on the printed cover yeah but it's it, it's funny because the the what i have and it has a big five on it it says ben folds five assemble like he wrote a bunch of little liner notes and like funny stuff on it that obviously didn't make the final copy but it, it's it's just stunning it's it's now one of the highlights of my collection because i would have never dreamed and and what was i guess even funnier about it about a year ago, I get an envelope in the mail from previous guest and friend of the show, Greg Shegel, and I open it up, and this magazine from 1999 is in it, and he's saying, hey, uh, I was cleaning out my apartment. You're the only person I know that would be interested in a Ben Folds 5 magazine from 1999, and hey, Dave Johnson drew the cover. <laughs> and so now I have the cover and the magazine, and I, I yeah, it was um, it was bananas, and, and I was, like I was telling you, he apparently had that, had that, cover dave johnson's had it for 20 years that's amazing. so so i i feel like it was preordained it was it was something that was supposed to happen those of you know me that know i'm how big of a ben folds fan i am it was like it was it had to happen that i was supposed to own this thing so you absolutely need to own yeah to own that yeah yeah so now that now the now the 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 uh the fun thing we'll be trying to get the three guys to autograph it because yes ben folds five is really actually just three dudes but um yeah that will be my (laughs) goal if they ever do a reunion tour is to get all three of them to sign it and, and uh, talk about yeah. a unique piece that they will have never seen like exactly i mean, I mean. well <laughs> it, when i tweeted about it there, there's a big uh, a big british uh the guy runs a uk site and big ben folds guy and he like flipped out when i posted it and i'm oh, sure like i was saying people probably didn't know existed and again i'm i'm incredibly fortunate i got great friends in this community and just so happened i've been carrying this guy's sketchbook over the years for a lot of different things and he was he's like i saw this and i didn't know what it was other than it was ben folds and i figured you'd like it i'm like dude you don't have any idea yeah 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 like you your your mind just like exploded oh yeah yeah Yeah. i got emotional which i'm happy to admit i I don't have anymore so yeah absolutely that was awesome it was awesome well and that's and you've been you've been traveling and i've been traveling um stuff going on yeah so uh well first off i with you being a ben folds fan and a comic book fan it's even more the reason why you own you should be owning that piece. I mean, yeah. you're such oh, a yeah. fan yeah. of art and everything. Yeah. Uh, speaking of art, um, so I, I got my uh, Skyward omnibus, and uh, I took it with me on a trip that I'll mention real briefly in a moment. Um, so I got that. I got some original art from Kelly. 
Uh, and she threw in a lot of extra that I did not expect at all. Um, and we were joking right before the episode uh, started. We started the episode, and uh, John says, I'm probably now the preeminent owner of uh, Skyward art, original artwork at this point because of the pieces that I own now. Um, just uh, absolutely blown away. Uh, I like you talked about tears. I was in a state of shock. Like I couldn't even get tears to come out because my mouth was agape. My wife was watching me. She was trying to take pictures just to capture like, like I was shaking opening the stuff and going through these pages. Like, um, people have listened to the show know how much this comic has meant to me, uh, for so many different reasons. And to own, as much of it now in original art form as I do, it's just, it blows my mind. And I, I told Kelly, I'm, there's certain pieces that I know that I'm going to have framed and hanging up in my home. And then the rest is all, I'm going to get a portfolio just for these pieces. So this way they will be protected. They will be something I can pull out constantly and just stare at and, and make sure that they are well taken care of. But um, yeah, absolutely blown away. And, and some of the pages that I own now are like some of the key moments in the story. Um, I did take the omnibus with me on my vacation trip recently and read it from, from the beginning to the end. Uh, Shannon did a fantastic job of picking up where Jeremy left off. Uh, and, uh, it was well-written. It was well-drawn, uh, is a fitting tribute to Jeremy and the work that he was doing. So, um, and I want to mention, I don't have an idea just yet, but by the next episode, we will have a contest because I actually have two editions of the omnibus. Uh, one was, uh, if you don't know this inside the, inside the omnibus, there's a little, uh, nameplate and mm-hmm. one was to me. And then one was to star Joe's. So the one that's two Star Joes, uh, I am going to actually have a contest. Uh, it'll probably be a month-long contest, and then I would send it out so someone could get it by Christmas. Uh, because I want to share share the, I, the wealth. So That's awesome. And, and, yeah, guys and ladies, you better, if you don't have this thing, you better figure out, listen to this contest, because it's so worth it. Yeah. It's absolutely worth it. Yeah, so uh, so I, I will be putting that together along with some other... I have a couple other ideas as far as other prizes because I actually want to make it a, a, a nice big contest with that being the preeminent prize uh, is is that... or the pro, uh, predominant prize is the, the Skyward Omnibus. It's absolutely well put together. And as much as I wanted to hold on to both copies for myself because <laughs> I just thought it would be awesome to have one that says Ryan and one that says Star Joe's, uh, obviously I don't want to be that greedy and I want to share the wealth with everyone out there. And my intention all along by having two of these was to, uh, give one out to somebody. So, um, so stay tuned for that. I will have a contest for the next episode. Don't worry. It won't be difficult. I, cause I want as many people to enter as possible and I want to have it run for quite a while. So that's why I said next episode that we do, uh, I will have that contest so this way we can run it for maybe a month to give enough people enough time to listen to the episode and to enter. Um, and uh, so I took that omnibus with me on my trip down to Florida just recently. Uh, my wife had just turned uh, was turning 40, and now she is 40, uh, and I wanted to give her a special trip. 
And the original plan was, my wife loves puns. And she uh, wanted to go, so she thought it would be a hilarious idea to go see UB40 on her 40th birthday. They were actually performing at the House of Blues (laughs) on her 40th birthday. (laughs) And they were doing their 40th anniversary tour. So they've been around for 40 years. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah, that's even better. Yeah, so she thought that that would be perfect. So we got flights. We got tickets to the show. I was trying to reach out to the band to see if there was any chance she could meet them. I didn't. I didn't care if I had an opportunity, but I, and and she said she even said to me, she's like, it's not even that I'm a big fan of UB40 or anything like that. She just says, I just thought it'd be awesome to stand in front of a poster that said UB40 on my 40th birthday. So, uh, so we were going to be staying at her parents' place. They have a, a house down in Florida. They kind of do the snowbird thing, so they they weren't there, and so we were going to be able to use it. And. Uh, had this all planned out. Well, UB40 canceled. <laughs> and UB canceled. Right. And the only thing that I can that I can decipher from the reason why they canceled was to me very selfish reasons and it was uh, they have a new album coming out next year so they've changed their tour dates to next year. Oh. And I was like that's really crappy because they canceled the the concert like 3 weeks before we were You don't to go. you don't think it might have been a ticket sales issue? Uh, I don't think so because the, all of your upper level tickets were all sold out cause I tried getting some of those. Um, so I would think that that's not an issue. Um, I could be totally wrong, but I've also heard they're not the most fan friendly band in the world either. So, um, so who knows? Uh, but it was obviously extremely disappointing cause my wife spent a lot of time trying to figure out what she wanted to do for her birthday. And when this when this was all like the stars were lining up, she's like, this is it. This is what I need to do. Right. Um, so I made it my mission to make sure she had a special birthday. So one of the things I did was I had a poster made up that said, happy birthday, UB40 today. Because she said she just wanted to have a picture in front of a poster that said UB40 on her 40th birthday. <laughs> <laughs> so I had that. I had that in my suitcase. I actually hung it up in the hotel room that we were in. Um uh, she did not know what we were doing while we were down in Florida. I took her to Disney World for a couple days. Uh, and my wife is not very big on amusement parks anymore. She just doesn't last very long in the sun and stuff. So you might wonder why would you take your wife then to amusement park? Um, but I actually knew some rides that she really enjoyed there. So I made it a very light day at the amusement park, uh, at the park. And just we only did the few rides that I knew she liked, and I got fast passes for all of them, so we did not have to wait very long in the lines. I got us reservations at her favorite places to eat uh, at the park, uh, and then everything. She wanted to go to a concert for her birthday, so uh, everything I was looking for around that time kept referring back to stuff going on at Epcot, and I didn't know why the hell is there stuff all these concerts going on at Epcot. Well, they were having a food and wine festival, and oh. every, every night in the uh, in the uh, country's sec- uh, country section of Epcot, they were having uh, a band or a singer or whatever performing. And I reached out to Disney and said, you know, do you need an extra ticket for this? Thinking it was probably sold out if you did, because uh, we're now only like maybe a week and a half, two weeks to flying down there. And they said, nope, it comes as long as you're in the park, you. It's a free concert, along, you know, with your park admission. And so the night, the Sunday night that we were going to be there uh, was uh, 
well, I'll backtrack one night just to kind of tell you real briefly. We got lost looking for a restaurant, uh, someplace to eat. We, we had passed up a place. We turned around to go back to find it, and we ran into a Friendly's down in Florida. Yeah. Now, all, all the Friendly's here in Ohio have closed. No one knows this other than people that follow or connect with me on Facebook, but Friendly's is the place where my wife and I had our first date. That's cool. So yeah. to run into a Friendly's on accident was just, it was meant to be. Um, so the Sunday night that we were in Disney at Epcot was Sister Hazel, who my wife and I both like, and we got to the concert early enough that we were in the fourth row. So that was awesome. So the night of her birthday, it was 98 degrees. Uh, the band, not the weather. The, right. Although the weather felt like it was 98 degrees. <laughs> <laughs> we were sweating like crazy. Uh, it was high 80s, low 90s all day. Um, so we're not, you know, I grew up with new kids on the block. That was the boy band that was around when I was a kid. And same with her. But you recognize some of the 98 degrees songs and everything else. And uh, so we were enjoying it. And then they uh, said they were going to sing a song from Mulan. Uh, which they had actually done for the movie. And so they sang that song, and then they go, once they were done with that, and my wife and I both like Mulan stuff, so we were like, we were enjoying it. And they said, well, we're not done with the Disney stuff yet. Uh, we're going to do one more Disney song, and they sing The Circle of Life from The Lion King. And The Lion ah. King is my wife and my movie. Yeah. Uh, we danced at our wedding to uh, Can You Feel the Love Tonight? We also had our wedding procession come into The Circle of Life. So there could not have been a more perfect song for them to sing on my wife's birthday than a song that was at our wedding. Yeah, so, that's great. So that was awesome. Uh, I did get a commission uh, done at Baltimore Con of my wife as a superhero. Uh, she has a nickname of the Stealth Hammer, and uh, she got it through various workplaces that she worked at. And we always joked that it would be a, make an awesome superhero, and she told me, like, what her superpowers would be and stuff like that. So at Baltimore Con, I actually had somebody draw her as a superhero, and my wife likes it so much that it is her pro Facebook profile picture now. So uh, she is absolutely blown away by it. Uh, she she loves it. And the cool thing about that one, too, is I got that for her for her 40th birthday. We had her mom drawn as a superhero for her mom's 70th birthday. So now there's a whole legacy thing of mother and daughter being superheroes. So... So that was the adventure down in Florida. We spent two days in Disney, and then we spent uh, the rest of the time just relaxing uh, at our parents' place, enjoying the warm weather, and it made it feel like two vacations, a, a busy, fun activity vacation and a relaxing, unwinding vacation. So uh, that was an absolute blast. So that's what I've been up to. Um, so, uh, John, you also saw a movie recently that i thought I you did. might like to give your thoughts on i did i finally saw solo what'd you think it was okay okay <laughs> it was look i i was i posted about it on facebook i was i was very amused at the response that i got from some people because i said i and it's my, my issue with most movies these days and maybe i'm getting old i don't know I think all movies are too – well, I should, let me – not all. Most of the big movies, the Marvel movies, the Star Wars movies, they're all too damn long. Mm -hmm. they're, cut, if you cut 20 minutes off Solo, I would have been so much happier with it. 
Okay. It was just too much. And it was fine. I don't think it could figure out what it wanted to be. And I personally really, really liked the slapstick stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, and I know I know that sounds weird because I was the one that didn't really care for when the two stormtroopers walked away in episode seven after Kylo Ren was going ape shit in his right in his uh in his room. I really liked what they were doing in so and I'm assuming the funny, funny, funny stuff was the stuff that Lord Miller did. And then it kinda went another direction and I don't know. It was it was okay. Yeah. Am I glad? Am I am I glad I didn't see? It? I'm glad I saw it at home and I paid a dollar or whatever, two bucks to see it. Do I ever need to see it again? No. It, but it was it was okay. If, as I said on Facebook and I've said here, you know, I'm probably I don't think the movies are for me anymore for whatever reason, and I'm just going to read the comics because I am yeah. seriously loving everything I've read. That's uh, fair enough. You know, most. Yeah. You know, I mean, it was. And, it, and, and now Donald Glover made it for me. Oh, I sure. It was amazing. And I loved how I liked how they did explain some of the stuff. I loved yeah. how they explained winning the Falcon. And I, I liked I thought Chewie was really fun, too. Yeah, like, I, yeah. I, although I can't figure out. And I don't know if do they clarify this and I just missed it. Is him is his life debt the fact that he got him out of that? That or was it when he much... saved him on that train or like, so so here's the thing with here's the thing with the life debt that I'm I'm kind of realizing too. The life debt thing was never to anything I can find was never official canon. It's never been mentioned in the movies that he had a life debt and really the movies are canon. So the life debt to me was always something that was expanded universe and I don't know if that actually still exists. Um okay. I well, mean, that, if someone, see, if someone can point yeah. something else out to me that says, no, this was always canon and here's why, please yeah. point it out to me. But I, for the life of, <laughs> no pun intended, for the life of me, I could not find anywhere where there was a life debt was mentioned in any canon, current canon, meaning like the I, movies or anything like well, that. And I, I have to say, I think it's interesting that they, yes, that they blew up canon or whatever you want. I mean, look. Just like we're going to talk about GI Joe in a little bit, you can make canon whatever you want. I right. mean, you and I can make you and I can say that the heir to the Empire books all still exist. Every you know everything right. that we want to exist in Star Wars, you know Rogue Squadron, whatever. I I think it's interesting how they kind of pick and choose, and so there is a there's a name check of Aura Singh, and I was like, oh, that's cool. But so she gets in, but then other stuff doesn't. You know, it's just it's well. Aura Singh was was always canon because she appears in the prequel movies uh, very briefly, uh, but she does appear in the prequel uh, movies, and that's what makes her canon as a character. Um, same but, thing with there's a character called Quinlan Voss who was, right, right. who appeared in the prequel movies very very briefly in the background. So he's technically canon. Now the stories as far as who he was or who Aura Singh was, those were developed during the Dark Horse comics, which are not considered canon. It's kind of right. like what they did with Thrawn recently. Thrawn is now canon. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so they, they it's almost like you pick and choose. Yeah. And, and I, I'm glad they have Thrawn as part of it, because I think that's yeah. a tremendous character. And a, Absolutely. And a, you know, but I don't, you know, like I said, it it was a, it was okay. I just thought it was too long. I, I, I know they struggled with what it was going to be. Sure. And, and again, I guess I look at that walking in, or if I'm going to it saying, I'd like it to be a heist movie, which it, ultimately it was. Yeah, you know, but but a heist movie could be funny, and 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 have some slapstick to it that maybe it doesn't work elsewhere. 
I don't know. You know, and, you know, was me, at the, you know at the end of the day, it w- it was fine. Yeah. And it's, for me, it was a fun. Real. For me, it was a fun movie, and that's all I really wanted from it was yeah. a fun movie. I had a good time watching it, and that's why I do enjoy it so much. Is because, and I've watched it actually a few times now, and I do have a lot of fun watching it. The only thing I would have ever gave you a hard time about, John, is if you told me that Donald Glover didn't make a good Lando, I would have been like, oh, no, he was, pretty, mind. He, he, he was the best, you know, he was the best yeah. part of me. But I, and I'll tell you, I think, again, for me, it's the overlong thing. But also the other thing, and I was reading something just lately about how our brains operate and and how younger people can do more because your brain just functions that much quicker some of those scenes, some of the things that were going on, there was just so much going on that I couldn't keep straight. Yeah. You know, and, and I guess the the one thing, and I'm going to ask to see if you know, because I don't really remember this, when he's in the army, mm-hmm. right? So he gets booted. Like, I think we can all agree. We know that, you know, in whatever history he was at some point in, in, in you know, in, the in Empire Imperial. Army, yeah. yeah, he was yeah. in the Imperial Army. Why is he dressed up like, a modern GI Joe character and not a stormtrooper. Like what? Like, <laughs> like I've never seen him run around like an art, like military, like modern right. military gear with the, it looked like Cobra trooper helmets with the big goggles. And I'm <laughs> right. like, wait a minute. What? Wait, wait, what? <laughs> so, so how I, how I took that was, um, cause the stormtroopers were always, and I know this plays into the joke of they always miss, but the stormtroopers were always meant to be like the elite troopers. They were always meant to be the one, you know, whereas they're going to take over some mud ball planet and everything else. You're not going to send your stormtroopers in to do that. You're going to send your grunts in, uh, the, the guys that just get the dirty job done and, you know, so I viewed it as different levels, so you, you know you still have stormtroopers there, kind of guarding stuff and everything else, but you don't have them in there in the battles. You just kind of like, you know, you have your your enlisted, uh, as it were. Uh, which have we ever seen just grunts like that though? No. Okay, no, good. Which, I'm glad I'm not no, crazy. Cause no, I, I you're just, not crazy. Okay, all right. But that's like I said, that's kind of how I took that and everything. But uh, no, we have not seen that, so no, you're not crazy in that at all. Um, I found it very interesting, though, too, uh, and it took me watching it a second time to pick up on all the dialogue um, as far as him talking about uh, or finding out that he, because I was like, wait, so did he enlist and he was, they they just promised him that he'd be a pilot and then he got kicked out or they promised he'd be a pilot and then he just ended up being a, a, a grunt because uh, that happens in the military all the time. It's like, yeah, yeah, they promise you everything and it's yeah. like, okay, you're just a, a trooper. But when you hear the dialogue, you actually find out, no, he actually was drafted as a pilot, and he just didn't listen to orders, which is why he got kicked down to the grunt level. <laughs> so um, so I found that stuff interesting and definitely played into the character and everything else. And I thought Alden Ehrenreich did a good job. Like it, it, He grew on me as the movie went on, uh, as the solo character and everything. So, um, But yeah, and, and like we've talked about many times, you don't have to like everything that's out there. It's that's not right. It's not required. And, uh, we have people that listen to the show that only like the legends, the stuff that's called legends stuff. Now they they feel that Air of the Empire should have been what they made, and that's fine. You can believe that, and those, that stuff's still out there for you to read and enjoy. And I still read and enjoy that stuff. So, um, yeah. Well, I, you know, I'm as I've said before, I'm not going to shit on anybody else's bliss. And right, if people loved it, I'm. I mean, I, I'm. I'm glad it was not. It was not one of those where I'd walk away going, 
oh, this is a sack of crap and, right. you know, everybody hated it, that that would be disappointing. Yeah. Right. Like, I don't want I don't want this stuff to suck. And, it, right. you know, it just it's not it's just not necessarily for me. And and I am. I'm okay with that. <laughs> yeah. The, the only thing I found, okay. the only thing, I, yeah, absolutely. And the only thing I found disappointing is how bad it did in the box office. Cause I think it does. I think as a movie, it deserved better than how it performed. Um, it doesn't, it didn't deserve to make a billion dollars, like some of the star Wars movies and stuff like that. But I felt like it deserved a better shake at the theater than it got. So, um, but it seems like it's doing well with, uh, home sales and everything else. So, uh, we know that movies in the past that didn't do well in the theaters and then all of a sudden they did well at home uh, got a second look. And I do, they did set things up for sequels and everything else, so hopefully those things will happen down the line. Yeah, so. how, how many people do you think were thoroughly confused by the big battery reveal at the end um, that, that don't know Clone I, Wars, that don't yeah, know I, I that think, stuff? I think people were confused, and I think, they were setting it up to for there to be some type of sequel, whether it was Solo Two, you know, which I yeah. don't think that's the direction they were going to go. I think they were sure. going to do a different character, and then it would tie into all that. Um, I think the intention was always at some point to explain that. Um, I think a, I think majority of the audience that was confused, but at the same time was like, "Cool, how is he back? What's going on?" <laughs> so. Um, at least that's the reaction I got from a lot of people I work with. And they're yeah. not, and the people I work with are not geeks. They were just, I had a lot of people coming up to me going, how is he alive? <laughs> and yeah, I, I, I explained I that it, to them. Yeah, so. I watched it with Daniel and he freaked out because I, I yeah. knew, I, I knew enough about it. I knew right. who it was. And I, of course, I thought it was cool. But yeah. I, it is, I, I would be curious how much of it, you know, again, because if you don't follow this, if you don't follow it or know. Right. It kind of like, it's like reading the book, right? Yeah, if I haven't yeah. watched that cartoon and I don't know what the deal is. Yeah, yeah no, totally true. It's a totally valid thing. And that's the thing, like Eric mentioned when we did our review of the movie, he said, well, you know, those things are available for people to go and watch it. I said, yeah, but how many people are going to actually go and watch it? I said, they need to explain it in the movies at some point. Um, so, and I still stand by that, that at, in the movies that has to be explained somehow. Uh, whether it's through dialogue or whether it's through actually showing it or something, but it has to be explained at some point. Um, because yeah, the majority of the people that I talk with, uh, at work, which are, I, the reason I refer to the people I work with is because most of the people I work with are not the geeky crowd, but they're the ones that will go see the movie. And they thought it was, they had the same reaction that you just described, which is they thought it was really cool, but they thought it was confusing. You know, mm -hmm. as far as how is he back? I don't understand. So, of course, they came to me and I explained <laughs> it to them because uh, it is, I do not hide my geekdom at work at all. And everyone knows I love Star Wars. So, um, so yeah, so that's basically what ended up happening. But, and I think that's probably the general feel uh, for most people. Um, before we get into the issue, one thing I just wanted to mention briefly, something I watched that I was super psyched about watching uh, once I started getting into it and I heard nothing but good things about it was I watched the Netflix series The Haunting on Hill House or Haunting of Hill House, which is the one that everyone you may have seen. Oh, they said everybody was passing out or something. Passing right? out and puking and all this. It is not that scary. There is nothing that's that scary about it. Uh, I mentioned to somebody that, well, I really liked the first season of American Horror Story. And they're like, oh, this blows American Horror Story out of the water. Uh, the, you know, you'll piss yourself after, you know, compared to, <laughs> compared to American Horror Story. And, 
And I honestly will say that if you liked the first season of American Horror Story, you will like you will love Haunting of Hill House. It is extremely well written. It is extremely well acted. It is extremely well directed. Um, it some people didn't care for the ending. I thought the ending was fantastic. It gives good closure to all the characters. Um, it is creepy. If you don't like horror, don't watch it. You, it. I am not endorsing this for people that don't like scary stuff. It has its scary moments. There is a jump scare in episode eight. I think it is. Yeah, episode eight that gets everybody like everyone I've talked to says, cause it doesn't rely on jump scares a whole lot. There's a couple here and there. That's it. It's actually just a very well-developed story and it's got a creep factor that, you know, it's just makes your skin crawl sometimes, but it is so well put together and it's told in, in parts that at the end, it all comes together. It's there's uh, episode six. They do almost all of episode six in like two takes. It's one of those episodes where the camera just keeps following the people and it's all done, like, there's a whole half hour where it's all in one take. And you're like, man, as an actor, that had to be so hard, because if you screw up one time, you got to go back to the beginning <laughs> and do it all over again. Um, and then there's, like, a cut scene, and it seems like the whole rest of the episode is a whole nother take. Um, it's ten episodes long. Each episode's about an hour. Um, like I said, if you like creepy, supernatural-type horror you have to watch it. It's amazing. If you love slasher stuff and gory stuff, that's not what this is. Um, this is this is the type of stuff that, you know, the classic ghost story type stuff and everything else, but it's got a creepy factor to it, which is, but in a very good way. And like I said, if you like the first season of American Horror Story, you should watch this because it's really good. Um, I did not enjoy it when I had to watch an episode by myself at night and then go to bed. <laughs> um, but, uh, at the end of the last episode, I actually felt closure and it, and I didn't feel as unsettled as I did through the rest of the, the episodes and stuff like that. It just gave nice closure to the whole story. Um, like I said, I can't, can't praise it enough, which is why I wanted to mention it on the show just cause it was something I, I haven't watched something this well put together and this well acted, this well directed, this well written in a, in a long time. So, um, and, uh, I, I read all those articles or not read the articles. I saw all the headlines and stuff like that. And I said, my wife was like, I feel like I need to at least watch an episode of this. She goes, why would you want to do that to yourself? If all these people are saying they're passing out and puking and everything, I was like, I'm just curious enough that I have to watch at least an episode of it. And when I watched the first episode, I was like, oh, this isn't what people are. This is not at that level. This is not, this, this is actually just very well done. So, um, so that's that. Cool. I know you're not a horror guy, John. So I'd say I'm not, that. so I do will, not watch I, it. I will, I will not be watching it. <laughs> Robert and I, I think Robert and I share that. Uh, yeah. You know, Robert Robert locking. would be someone that would be passing out from this. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I don't want I don't want to say anything more than that, just because I don't want to spoil anything for anyone that hasn't seen it that would want to watch it. I just would say that if you like supernatural, creepy, horror type stuff, um, then it is extremely worth your time to to watch it. And it, I will say it's something that if it's another one of those shows where if you watch the first episode and you don't like it, you're probably not going to like the rest of it. But if you watch the first episode and like it, you will probably like all the rest of it. So, 
So you ready to talk some, uh, go from creepy to G.I. Joe action stuff? Let's do it. All right. So we are going to be reviewing and talking about G.I. Joe, Real American Hero number 17. We are moving right along here. Um, we have, uh, it's written by Larry Hama. Uh, of course, it is uh, penciled by Mike Vosberg. Inker is John, uh, John D'Agostino. Letterer is Joe Rosen. Colorist is uh, G. Rosas. And editor is Denny O'Neill, and editor in chief is Jim Shooter. Uh, and I never, th- I don't think I did bring my book with me to have Denny O'Neill. I could have had Denny O'Neill sign my uh, G.I. Joe hardcover. I never yeah. thought about doing that. I had him sign on something else, so that's we're good. Um, so let's talk about the cover just real briefly, John. What do you think about this cover? Yet again, it 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 is uh, indicative of what's going to happen in the book. Mm-hmm. What a concept. Yep. Now, I will say for me personally, you can obviously disagree, it's one of the weaker covers for me when it comes to G.I. Joe or American Hero. Like, I love Vosberg and everything, and I, yeah. I think he did the art on this cover. Um, yeah, it does say it's his, his artwork. Um, it, I love his artwork through the whole issue. I don't really care for his artwork on this cover too much, though. I don't know I, if it's just the way uh, Major Blood's drawn. I don't know what it is. It's just I don't know. For me, like I said, it's, for me, it's one of the weaker covers. Not yeah. one of the weaker issues, but one of the weaker covers for me. It, it's not nearly as good as the last one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, like I said, I, I guess the only the only the, the positive in it is again, it does at least somewhat of an indication of what's happening in the book, as opposed yeah. to so many of them now that you know it could just. It could be this picture, and it's they're you know they're having a cookout or something. Who knows? Right. right. Yeah. It's not the it's not the uh, iconic image of you know major blood, and it's actually like you said, it's actually what happens in the or yeah along the lines of what happens in the issue. Yes. So. Yeah. All right. So going into uh, the issue itself, it's titled "Loose Ends," and uh, we have uh, Scarlet and Clutch both standing over. Uh, Hawk, who in the last issue, if you remember last time on G.I. Joe, uh, he was shot by Cobra Commander in the in the back, wasn't it? Three times. Yeah, three times in the back. And, uh, and in case you don't know what ASAP stands for, they do let you know that ASAP stands for <laughs> as soon as possible. Uh, they do need to bring in the medevac uh, because they do explain that even though he has uh, armored vest under his uniform, uh, ballistic nylon uh, might prevent bullet penetration, but it doesn't soften the impact, and he might still have internal bleeding. Uh, so they bring in Doc. Is this? I, I didn't look it up. Is this the first time we're seeing Doc? Uh, it's one of the early times. It may be. It's it's early. Okay. Yeah. I can't remember if we saw him in one of the earlier issues or not. But uh, Doc is very no nonsense. Uh, <laughs> he comes in. He's basically don't don't tell me how to do my job. Uh, I don't tell you how to bust heads. Don't don't, don't tell me how to roll pills, which I found a very interesting uh, direction. And then uh, we have Scarlet asking a question. He's like, "Take a walk." It's just Doc wants nothing to do with this. That's right. He's like, "Get out of my way." Right. So uh, we have the the Mobat rolling up here, and we got. Uh, whole slew of people on this we have uh gung-ho and torpedo again why torpedoes in with this crowd i don't really know 
<laughs> At least he doesn't have his flippers on. He does not have his flippers on. <laughs> um, so they, they point out that they're causing a traffic jam, and uh, I'm going to let you describe what happens with the, the car, because I just picture, you, John, you getting a big hoot out of uh, gung-ho dealing with the guy in the... It is funny. Yeah, this guy's honking, and it's, I love, again... Love the use of the the sounds or the sound effects and how yeah. they do it into the panel work, but they're honking and it's like, come on, this guy's like, I got job to do, I got to get to work, blah blah blah. Gung Ho gets off the back of the Mobat and he goes over and talks to the guy and he's like, that's eh, a really nice car, you know, what is it? And he's like, it's a GT Cobra, which I've never seen a Shelby GT Cobra that was gold. But uh, <laughs> anyway, all of a sudden, Gung Ho. Well, like, this guy oh, does have this guy does have influences in the defense community, yeah, so yeah. maybe that's how he got. Oh yeah, one, maybe. So. <laughs> so, yeah, so then Gung Ho rips the door off and proceeds to smash the car to bits. Like I hate Cobras, and it makes me want to smash things he's like Hulk. And this dude like is crying by the end. <laughs> And he beats the shit out of his car, and I love and then, uh, and then, and then, and then I love that Doctor comes over and is like, "Come on, we're gonna get him to Bethesda." And it's like Hulk's gonna be, it's all gonna be all right. He's gonna, he's gonna be okay. He's gonna be fine. <laughs> Smash the car to hell. So the thing I love with this, and this is definitely a testament to Vosberg here, is you have just the he put just the panel up there of the guy's face and how it changes as Gung Ho is smashing the crap out of his car, <laughs> because at first he's just stern and angry. He's like, "You're gonna call, you're gonna pay for that and everything else," because he's of course acting like a tough guy that's got influence. And by the end, like you said, he's like a weepy Joe. So <laughs> he is absolutely a weepy Joe. <laughs> smashed it, smashed that beautiful gold car. It's hilarious. Uh. So uh, they're able to move Hawk. Uh, they get him in onto the, the Dragonfly, uh, which is just an interesting way to take him to the hospital. Yeah. <laughs> like Mash. Uh, right. Well, and it's like we've. They evidently in the comics don't have the same uh, size ratio that they do in the cartoon, because in the cartoon <laughs> you would have been able to just pack them up him in the back. Inside, right. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> There's plenty of room. Um. So then we have uh, uh, we have, uh, Breaker uh, communicating uh, as far as what's going on up ahead, and we have uh, he's talking to Zap, and Zap's like, "I got uh, Grunt and Short Fuse and Rock and Roll and Flash uh, with me," and you know Breaker asks if they want any help, and he's like, "No, we're greedy, uh, so we're, we'll take care of it." Plus, we have a little bit of extra ammunition coming up behind uh, with us, so they've got a nice little uh, twin turret going uh pulling behind behind the apc there and uh they also have ace our bu- good buddy ace i was gonna say ace he's he's watching from above there and uh we'll get back to ace a little later yes we will because <laughs> i started laughing out loud when i got to that part i did too so now we're uh we're with the hiss tank and it's going down the road and stuff like that and uh uh Cobra Commander and Doc, uh, Dr. Venom are talking with each other about how basically Destro's spacing out, and Dr. Venom points out, like, well, it's because he's lost the greatest love of his life. And uh, Cobra Commander's uh, saying, like, you're wrong, Venom. Uh, Destro is an immediate threat. He's, you know, he's he's going to threaten us. We have to pay attention. You know, we have to keep our eyes on him and everything else. And he's like, no, he's. And Dr. Venom's like pointing out, no, he's just he's lost. And we see that uh, Destro kind of what's going on in his mind. You see that he's you know, picturing himself with the Baroness and the flames, because remember in the last issue, the uh, hiss that she was in blew up and her glasses went flying. 
Um, the thing I was puzzled about in this artwork is why are there eyes inside the the cobra's mouth? <laughs> I don't know. I thought it was cool. I, I, I don't know. Maybe he, it you know, cool. it's what he's in picturing, but I really like this page a lot. I, I yeah. like the you know him thinking and there's blood and yeah. You know, then all of a sudden, like Cobra Commander's like what shining up his gun. Yeah, <laughs> he's just kind of put, like he's doing something with it. And you're like, is he going to pop him in the you know, pop in that's, back? I mean, that's what he did to Hawk. Right, right. Um, so Destro uh, starts to believe that uh, the only logical thing is that Cobra Commander ordered Major Blood to kill the Baroness, and that's why this happened. But Cobra Commander pointed out, no, no, it's because the Major Blood was actually in love with the Baroness, and the best way he could see about you know. Uh, winning her affection was to take out Destro, so this way there was no competition. But then he realized that if he can't have her, then no one can have her. So that's why he ended up killing the. Uh, that's why Major Blood ended up killing the Baroness. And Destro falls for this. He says, "Of course he wanted her." He says, "I was blind." And he says, "Once I see Major Blood, he says I'll have my wrath." Um, then we see we hear the again like you were mentioning awesome sound effects with the the whoosh. Uh, flying overhead with uh, Ace, who has caught up with the uh, his tank. It makes you think he did that move. Yeah, which is for sure. Amazing. <laughs> which is a hell of a move if he did do that. <laughs> Jason Adams, you'll need to tell us: is that feasible? <laughs> right, exactly. Pretty sure it's not. At least in a plane in 1983. Right. Um, and we got kids commenting in the backyard, like, "Wow, did you see that?" Uh, and they're saying. Uh, maybe uh, they're trying to figure out why that jet is there. That maybe it's helping Smokey <laughs> flesh out the speedster. That's right. <laughs> so, uh, so Ace lets them know where where they're located at, and uh, back to Zap, and uh, they get on Zap gets on the APC gets on the interstate westbound, and uh, now we get back to Snake Eyes and Quinn, who are in uh, in jail right now. And Quinn points out that he has a uh, saw blade hidden in his in the hollow of his heel, which is very ingenious. I thought. Yes, it is. Uh, and Snake Eyes points out that he's got a hundred dollar hundred dollar bill, bill. <laughs> <laughs> which does come into play later. But I yeah. don't understand how you would have the foresight to know that you needed that. <laughs> I love the fact it's it's like stitched into his into his 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 uh, shirt. You yes. know, like he just kind of tears like tears at it and pulls yeah. it out. Like, <laughs> It's like, oh, you're gonna you're gonna pull a saw blade out of your boot. I'm gonna just tear <laughs> my sleeve and tear my sleeve, pull a hundred dollar bill out. <laughs> um, then we actually see that uh, we go to another scene where they're at a toll booth in Balt uh, near Baltimore. Yeah, because he got out of DC. He got away. Yep, and uh, it's Major Blood. He's on the uh, back of a uh, uh, fruit and vegetable truck. And but he realizes that that's gonna be that's gonna be too conspicuous, so he he decides he's just gonna take over a bus because <laughs> no one will notice that. <laughs> well, he's I got hostages now. I can well, so yeah, I, I can control that. And I, this is the his 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 speech here is oh the my best. god, it is stay your hand, driver, lest the hero's laurels adorn thy brow in death's slumber. <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome. Yeah, because he can't, and I love too. It continues from there, saying, "Proceed yeah. north, north driver. Any deviation from my instruction <laughs> shall result in mortal injury to a passenger." Because he can't just say like, "Stay the, you know, keep going this way, or I'll kill somebody." <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> no, I thought that was brilliant and very major blood. Uh, 
Keith Knitson probably loves those oh, yeah. lines. Oh, you know? yeah. Absolutely. Um, and uh, for those who don't know, Keith Knitson's a buddy of ours. Uh, he's on DC Noise Podcast, and he is a huge Major Blood fan. So um, we do see that Scarface is on the on the bus, and I believe we saw that in the previous issue that he was getting on the bus at that time. So um, I actually thought that was well played out by Hama as far as writing that out yeah. to, and setting that up for himself later. Uh, so the bus takes off, and uh, we have uh, Grand Slam and Stalker. <laughs> they're on a uh, mirage there, and he's and Grand Slam's like, "Do you think there's anything suspicious about the the toll booth busing or the bus tri- busing through the toll booth there?" And he's like, "No, not in the tiny bit." But <laughs> guy riding in the front with the eye patch and the hand cannon—that's yeah. suspicious. <laughs> it, this is this is one of those funny things though too, where if you look at Grand Slam, he's in red, and if you go back a few pages where we saw Flash with uh, Zap and that crew, he's yeah. in the red gear too. Yeah, the red. So you know they didn't do the silver, but uh, right. Eh, you know. Then uh, and we get the blam 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 again. Great <laughs> sound effects going on there. Um, and then uh, we get. Back to Snake Eyes and Quinn, who are now out of jail, and they're walking down uh, an alley there where there's a pink Cadillac-looking car, and uh, guys are playing dice for some money, and they notice them coming up. <laughs> and how much did you... Okay, so I'm re- reading this. This issue I'm actually reading for the first time ever. This is one of the issues oh, wow. okay. I've never read before. How much in <laughs> can you imagine in my mind I was hoping that they were going to end up winning these guys' clothes, and Snake Eyes would end up walking around with his mask, a hat, and a pink shirt riding a pink Cadillac. <laughs> it was going to be uh, Culture Club all over again. There you go. <laughs> so uh, so they want to buy into the game, and uh, Quinn points out that he's not going to be the one playing. He's just going to hold on to the money. And uh, the guys point out that the money shoot, uh, uh, is the point is Snake Eyes. And then they ask what's so funny. So obviously Snake Eyes is laughing. You can see him kind of like shaking a little bit, probably from the laughter and everything. So I found that amusing. We go back to uh, Cobra Commander and Destro and Dr. Venom on the Hiss Tank. Uh, They're uh, still trying to get away, and the APC's catching up, but they have radio head to Springfield and some fangs come out along with a helicopter transport helicopter and a couple jets um which these are pretty much nondescript jets for cobra i don't remember ever, these ever really having a name um but we have they uh breaker calls for uh help from above uh by ace seeing if they can help him out in the dogfight, and ace says he'd be happy to do so uh we go back to so Every every page to two pages, we're jumping to different parts in the story, and I think it actually works well for the action yep. uh, that's yep. being told. So, so we go back to Major Blood being chased by uh, Stalker and Grand Slam, and Grand Slam says, "I got an idea," and Stalker says, "I think I know what you're going to try, but it doesn't mean I have to watch." <laughs> <laughs> so Grand Slam jumps onto the back of the bus, climbs up to the top of it, uh, just gets underneath the clearance of 15 feet and nine inches. And Major Blood notices that there's a sound on the roof, but it's a little too late because here comes Grand Slam busting through the front and kicking him in the face. A uh, Spider-Man move. Absolutely. It's <laughs> totally a Spider-Man move. <laughs> uh, 
He drops his gun and everything in in the kick, and where he lands is right where Scarface is, and he recognizes him, but because he recognizes him, it, it distracts him, and Grand Slam punches him in the face with a thwack. And all I could think of with thwack was uh, the old 66 Batman. Batman, yeah. <laughs> uh, and then elsewhere, we're back to the APC and that crew. Uh, they are uh, notice that the two jets are going after Ace and that the uh, fangs are coming back for them. Luckily, rock and roll. He's got his uh, twin Vulcans shooting out at them, and he actually shoots all three of them in a tri- what he calls a triple play. Wham, wham, wham. Uh, but while they're doing that, the uh, transport helicopter picks up the uh, his tank that had Cobra Commander and Destro and Dr. Venom, and they get away. Uh, and they're like, don't worry, we still have our ace in the hole, but not for long. Because <laughs> ace takes on... Now, Granny's taking on two, two jets, but he takes out one of them, and the other one clips him in the wing, uh, and... He does a dive, Ace does a diving move to where the one jet is following him. Then he slams on the brakes, so it goes flying by, very Top Gun style move there. And uh, gets him right, Ace gets the Cobra jet right in his sights and blows him up. But because he got clipped, he has to head back to base because he's a wounded goose right now. And uh, all I could think of is, well, he didn't crash the plane. I was gonna say, yeah. Is that, is that a half a half a crash? That's or? half a crash. <laughs> he, he's not fully intact. Right. Exactly. Uh, the rest of the crew is looking around at the wreckage of the fangs and saying, "What are we gonna tell Hawk?" And it's like, "Well, we tell him to get well, <laughs> and uh, we'll get back to uh, hunting down Cobra." Uh, we then find out that uh, Quinn and Snake Eyes were only hustling those guys so they could get their car. <laughs> He got a hat though. You did. You did get at least part of it. He did get a hat. Yes. So you should have given the hat. You right. Yeah. Let him keep the hat. Yeah. Quinn's like, you should have let him keep the hat, but but he's like, look at me being hypocritical and and talking about good gestures when we're talking about revenge. And this is where we get the line of he's talking about the wrestling the weasel. He says, you must wrestle with the weasel and throw him down. You must keep him from whispering revenge in the ear of your soul for all your waking hours. But I am through wrestling with the weasel. We got to. Uh, we go to Coney Island, Shadow Man. We take the first step towards vengeance. Yeah, <laughs> Quinn rules. He does. He does. Um, then we have uh, Cobra Commander and Destro and Doctor Venom. Uh, they're landing in Springfield, and Doctor Venom points out to to Cobra Commander that uh, everyone's uh, you know Major Blood's still alive, <laughs> and if 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 he if Destro gets the chance to talk to him. You know, you're kind of a dead man. So. Yeah, it's funny. I love how in the one, like, one he's, well, obviously you don't see his, you know, because he doesn't move, but it looks right. somber in one shot. And the next one he's doing, like, argh. You know, like, <laughs> it's just kind of funny. Almost like he hurt him, and that's why he's going to flip out. Or Yeah, exactly. And then I love this. They're at Bethesda Naval yeah. Hospital. It says, what happened to this man? Looks like somebody used his face for a trampoline. trampoline. And I love Stalker, like, chastises Grand Slam, and Grand Slam's like, cut me some slack. Stalker, I only hit him once or twice, three or four times at most, honest, half a dozen tops. <laughs> I was like, that actually made me laugh out loud, because I was like, that's good. That's funny right there. Um. We have uh, the doctor, the surgeon, uh, telling them they can't come in. 
and they're pointing out that's a dangerous terrorist we have in there. And he says uh, he's in critical condition. He's not going to be a threat to anyone. Um, and then we get an emergency alert uh, that says all, emer- all emergency teams report to the burn unit. Female patient has arrived with third degree burns over 80% of body surface. Uh, body surface, which I can only assume is the Baroness. Um, I think that's a fair assumption. Especially since they show the glasses in a little bit. <laughs> um, we find out that Major Blood has been faking how bad a shape he's been in, uh, which I don't know how you fake being stomped in the being face beat up. six times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if your face looks like it's been, it's been used as a trampoline, how, do you, how are you faking that? <laughs> now, I will say that that doctor that said his face is usually like a trampoline is also the one that does call into Cobra Commander yes, and says yes, that, yeah. you know, he he, uh, he embellished it a bit. But we did see Grand Slam beat the crap out of him. Yes. <laughs> Spider-Man kicked him. Yeah, we know. Right, exactly. <laughs> So, uh, Major Blood said that, you know, he's the dangerous, uh, one to watch out for. And, uh, just in time for Hawk to actually point out that actually the dangerous character <laughs> is him. He's the, got, he's got his 45. Over yes. his bandages. Over his bandages. So awesome. <laughs> and he says, uh, he basically says it always seems to make the doctors uptight when patients refuse to remove his shoulder holster <laughs> or give up his 45. <laughs> So uh, then we have the surgeon coming in, and he says uh, that the female burn victim is asked to speak with you before she passed out, which I found that very interesting. Yeah, 80 degree, 80% right. of her body's burned up. She's asking for Hawk. Asking for Hawk. <laughs> Must be very important. Uh, uh, so the surgeon radios over to Cobra Commander, lets him know that, you know, uh, that Major Blood's alive, uh, that Hawk is alive, uh, and they have... Uh, and Destro points out that they have to go get uh, find Scarface. And uh, Cobra Commander says it's impossible. He's gone. He's gone to ground. And he's like, he has a hideout, and I know where it is. And what we find out is everyone's going to the same place to find him. So we have uh, Quinn knows where to go, which is Coney Island. Uh, and he's going there with Snake Eyes. And uh, he actually asks the toll booth guy there, like, hey, how do we get there? Tollbooth guy points it out. Scarface grabs a taxi, tells them that they're going to go to Coney Island. And then we have Destro telling uh, a mechanic there uh, on the jet uh, to get it ready for flight. And mechanic asks where he's going. He says, I'm going to Coney Island. And so awesome setup for a big hoopla in Coney Island. (laughs) So stay tuned for that. That's right. That Yeah. Yeah, I'm, yeah. Well, look, we've gushed about these. Yeah, this run before. I mean, this this early, early stuff. Yeah, it, it just got better and better and better. And yeah, again, Quinn rules. And well, and the nice thing with so this, much good stuff going on. And we talked about this before too. The nice thing about these issues now is it's a continuous story. Where right. those early, early ones were kind of it was kind of choppy. They were still great, but they were they were choppy. They weren't. They were just telling one and done stories or a couple issue stories and stuff like that. Now we're into the the stuff that actually builds the mythos of G.I. Joe and everything. So, um, and this is pretty much, I mean, for the most part, this is a setup issue, but it's a very well done setup issue. Um, well, I, I think you, you said it earlier. I, I, in all of these, this 15, 16, 17, you know, the ones we've been talking about over the last bit, I love how they, they do, they kind of jump these stories 
yeah. the flow it just flows so well and yeah. i think vosberg vosberg's artwork in here it's funny that i read the letters page and the first thing that struck me that i i know i remember you know i know it was as a kid but it's so funny to me now you go back and you read these things and these are people's full ad- most of them are full addresses yeah can you imagine now if you had a ch- like if one of my sons wanted to write a letter to a co- if heaven forbid they had write you know editors page or they could afford comics to send a letter to tell them how much they right. liked them um wow that i would let my kid put his full address yeah on there it it just is mind boggling but somebody writes in there and goes you know Vosberg's my favorite artist on GI Joe so far <laughs> it's kind of funny like yeah, he'd been around for a, you know a few issues at that point but uh right but now it's yeah, it's it's, it's great stuff. Yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. Uh, like I said, high action. I mean, this is everything that a, a, a kid art when we were, you know, when this was coming out in the ages that we were. This is what we wanted. We wanted action. We wanted story. We wanted you know, um, you know, we wanted to get to know these characters and stuff like that. And you, I feel like you got to know all of them. Uh, yep. They all had their moments, uh, including Gung Ho with his smashing of the car. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Which is is just one of my favorite things. I think that's going to be something I'll always remember. Like I said, I never read this issue before now. So, um, well, before us doing this episode. Right. Uh, so, yeah, that's going to be a scene that will stick with me probably uh, over the years uh, as we continue to go through is him smashing that car and because he hates the name Cobra. So <laughs> that, that was brilliant. Um, and, of course, you know, uh, Major Blood doing his soliloquy of uh verbiage there uh i thought that was fantastic dialogue there and this is this is the stuff i'm always talking about when i say i like larry hama when he's writing the story and i don't it larry hama that tells wants to show me how much military jargon he knows drives me crazy he it's in here I mean, it's he doesn't shy away from using military jargon, but I feel like the story is more there than the jargon. Um, and it's probably why I enjoy issues like this so much. Um, although I did learn what ASAP means. I never knew what that means before. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, when we were eight or nine or ten or... You know, oh, yeah. I don't know if I knew what ASAP... Well, I'm sure I didn't know. That was yeah. a long time ago, man. I, I forgot a yeah. lot of that stuff. Yeah, I'm sure I did not know it back then. So, all right. Any uh, any final thoughts on this one? No, you know I always love reading these. I do have to find my stack of Micronauts books though because yeah, we gotta get back. I to do those. have to talk about them, but I just haven't. I can't. I'm a slacker and I can't find them. <laughs> get the get a. Uh, well, the the nice thing to help me or something. The nice thing for me is uh, I am off from work tomorrow. Uh, tomorrow is Halloween. Uh, from the day I was recording this. So I'm actually planning on getting this episode out tomorrow on Halloween as a nice treat to our listeners. Uh, so I'll be getting that out. I will also be uh, probably doing a recording or two for the Patreon. I actually am starting the Legion of Superheroes run from the 90s, uh, which I'm a huge fan of. So I'm looking forward to covering the first two issues of that. I'll also be recording a couple videos tomorrow because I don't. it's, it's going to be raining here. I'm not going to have much to do other than maybe some indoor household chores. So I'll break that up with doing some editing and doing some recordings and everything else so I can get a whole bunch of goodness out to everyone. So 
If you're listening to this the first day it comes out, happy Halloween. I hope you have an enjoyable one. I uh, hope if you have kids that they have a lot of fun out there trick-or-treating. I will be passing out candy as Snake Eyes. Uh, I did dress up as Snake Eyes for work, uh, and uh, it was a very hodgepodge costume I put together, but it, it worked out well. I think it came out pretty well. Uh, I like I said, it, it's your it's your entry into cosplay for next year, buddy. <laughs> I had to put it together within two days. We had a, at work, we had a 1980s theme for our department, and a bunch of my coworkers wanted to dress up as the cast of Beetlejuice, and we were going to make our supervisor Beetlejuice, and I was going to be dressed up as Adam, uh, which is the husband that passed away uh, in Beetlejuice that you know stretches out his nose and everything else. So I was going to dress up as him, but they kept dragging their feet, and they kept dragging their feet, and I said, are we going to do this? Because i got to order some stuff if we're going to do this and they're like, I don't know. I don't know. So then it got to be Monday and we were celebrating Halloween on the 25th at work because the last week of the month, we kind of, uh, a lot of the departments close up. Uh, they can't have any distractions cause they're trying to close out for the end of the month and everything. So to allow them to still enjoy it, we had, we celebrated Halloween one week early at work. Um, so I only had a couple days to put a costume together. So I went into a Halloween city and they had a snake eyes costume on discount because it didn't have the mask or anything in it. So I just like, well, that works. So I grabbed that and I put together a, a mask for it using sunglasses and uh, ninja mask and a bunch of other stuff that I pieced together and uh, put a belt on it and had some pouches from when I was a kid uh, that I used to carry BBs in. I put that on the belt and, <laughs> Uh, it came out real, like I say, I was impressed with how it came out considering I had two days to put it together. So, uh, so I will be wearing that to pass out candy, uh, and we'll see how many kids even know who the hell Snake Eyes is. Um, I'm debating on whether I should do it full mask or if I should not do full mask because I don't want to scare anyone. So, <laughs> but it's Halloween, so, you know, got to scare some kids. <laughs> so. Um, the ones I don't mind scaring are the ones that are like, you know, eight to 10 years old. The ones I don't like to scare are the ones where they're like three years old coming to your hot door. It's like, I don't want to scare a three year old. <laughs> I get that. Yeah, I get that. <laughs> so, so we'll see, but it'll be fun either way. Um, so John, how can they find you? Uh, what, what things would you like to plug out there? Everything's at hrsocialhourpodcast.podbean.com you'll find all my social connections there and uh, if you want to help me out and listen to that show and download an episode or two I'd appreciate it we uh, we crossed the 10,000 download mark a couple weeks ago which for us was a, a super big deal because we certainly didn't expect it uh, you never know where this stuff's going and it's led some crazy places but uh, yeah uh, hrsocialhourpodcast.podbean.com very nice. Uh, you can find us at starjoes.com. You can find everything you want there. Please send us some emails. Please leave us some voicemails. Starjoespodcast at gmail.com and 440-941-JOES. We have not had any emails or voicemails in a while. I've had people tell me that they're going to send stuff in or call in and still haven't gotten anything. So if you're one of those people that said, hey, I was going to email you guys, well, then email us. Uh, I love hearing from you guys. We love talking about the stuff that you guys send in to us, so uh, it causes some really good discussions sometimes for us. You can ask us questions, or you can just make comments about stuff. You can tell us about what you thought of this G.I. Joe issue that we covered. You can tell us about what you thought of Solo or Haunting of Hill House or any of that type of stuff. Um, 
I want to thank our Patreon members, uh, especially those that are helping to sponsor the show. Uh, We have Jonathan Morgantini has his Just Roll With It, which I have to look to see if he's had any new episodes out just recently. I didn't do my due diligence in regards to that, but I know he was putting out episodes there for a while. Uh, It's a D&D podcast that takes place in Middle Earth. And then we have Will Bell, who has Dudes in Toyland, which is about toy collecting and customizing. Uh, and next time that we record, I will actually have updates in regards to both those podcasts so uh, I can speak knowledgeably about them. Uh, I just haven't had the opportunity to listen to them recently. But a podcast I did listen to recently, which I find it very funny for me to bring it up in this episode, um, it's just something my manager at work told me about. She really loves crime dramas, and she loves stuff that, you know, uh, you know what causes somebody to do this and all that type of stuff. So she found a podcast called Dirty John, which I found very amusing to bring up since I am recording with you tonight, John. Uh, <laughs> J-O-H-N, J-O-N? Yeah, it's J-O-H-N, actually. Okay, all right. So, so you're safe. Right. Um, but it is about a guy who uh, had made a life of tricking women into... Uh, giving him a life, and he w- and he did very well for himself. He was a uh, a nurse anesthetist, and he, you know, he was a good looking guy and everything else. But he grew up like with mafia influences from his father and everything else, and he just felt like the right thing to do is manipulate people. And uh, it's a very interesting and if you like like i said if you like crimes you know if you're one of those people that likes you know watching crime documentaries and all that type of stuff you would probably really like this it's only seven or eight episodes long and each one's like about 40 minutes long and you hear interviews from the actual people involved this is a true life thing um so i just my my manager at work mentioned it and i was like well i'll check out an episode that sounds in interesting and i am now five episodes in uh so far and i heard at the end it takes a direction that you don't see coming so um and like i said it is a true life story so uh but it's called dirty john uh so and i listened to that and i heard some other ones that were uh on commercials for that that i was like oh maybe i'll check those out too because i do like uh crime dramas and everything else i'm watching making of a murderer 2 that's on netflix right now so um I have a wide variety of interests, so, <laughs> so my podcasts reflect that as well. So, so I just wanted to mention that because it was something that I found very intriguing, and like I said, it doesn't require a lot of uh, commitment. You know, you said just about eight, ep- seven or eight episodes. So, okay. uh, but with that, uh, we will go ahead and close this episode by saying the force will be with you because knowing us is half the battle. Take care, everyone.